you gotta if if it does not have the fecundity that global capitalism demands it can't last forever oh, man. man like that's why star wars uh, at least the fourth the fourth one definitely adheres it's too timeless <laughs> There's not enough resale value. That's why they had to introduce Ewoks and eight different forms of TIE Fighters and 8,000 new characters. That's what Disney's trying to fix. <laughs> Episode 4 was too simple and too good. Actual Garbage. Actual Garbage. Actual garbage. Scale. Hey everybody, welcome to the Actual Garbage Podcast. This is David Paddock once again and forever, as far as I can tell. No resale value. Yeah, basically. Um, we're going to be talking about scale or something related to it. Scale was just the first word I came up with. It's easily the least sexy word that we could be using to describe this. I could have gone with words like magnitude oh, yeah. or another word. Mitchell, to my left, how Velocity. are you doing, sir? I'm doing good. Excellent. Yes. Dylan, what the hell are you doing here? Huh? I'm doing all sorts of things. I'm talking into a microphone. I don't have headphones this time. Excellent. Right. We'll explain that in just a second and you'll understand in just a second. Andy Chilton joining for the first time to his left. Andy, who are you? Ah, uh, tragically the last. <laughs> Maybe? <laughs> if you keep making threats like that? Um, yeah, I'm a friend of Dave's uh, and a friend of other people here as well. He, he does and, physics? Yep, I shoot lasers at stuff. He actually did the post-grad thing like right off the bat the way that everyone probably should have instead of waiting 18 years? Yeah, well... All right, jury's still out on that. We'll see. <laughs> give me, give me another five years to find out, and then I'll tell you. Excellent. And to his left, Ryan, old man Riley. Yes, drinking today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that'll come apparent as we move forward. <laughs> so many vices. Don't count your chickens, man. Yeah. We'll see how much. I know. So the topic being scale or magnitude or some other third fancy word I didn't come up with while I was filling time. Plausibility. There we go, plausibility. Well, I think that sort of falls into a subset. We talked a lot on the Self-Deception podcast about looking up or looking down or across and having communities. And all that stuff was related to self-deception in that you build yourself into these boxes. But what I wanted to do with this particular one, because that subtopic was so important. Don't do that. I wanted to actually address that subtopic specifically because it is so important to the design of goals and projects knowing exactly how far up or down to set your sights. For one thing, it's a task that is part of planning that is almost more important than any other part of planning is understanding what you need to do. And the only way to understand what you need to do is to figure out what your deliverable is going to be, what you are actually trying to get out of it as an end result. If there even is an end result, sometimes even that is not necessarily a thing, uh, depending on how basic your research is or her, how aspirational or just general what you want to achieve is. Uh, and we have, I'm sorry to say, <laughs> all too real an example to work with right off the bat. Ryan Riley. Yes. How's the forthcoming podcast? The forthcoming podcast has been 
indefinitely suspended. And why is that, good sir? Because it was a problem, dare I say, of scale, my friend. Yeah. A problem of scale. I had, um, you know, you, you started off with a, a project, Oh, just, right? just to back it up. Back the forthcoming up. podcast was going to be a podcast for the public consumption about the Cold War. Yeah, I was going to do it about the Cold War because I wanted, you know, I think it's, I thought it was a pertinent topic. It's something I'd focused on in my educational past and it's something I quite enjoy recreationally. So like many things in podcasts, you're like, let's fucking, you know, let's, let's put this into a package. Let's put it out there. Yeah. And uh, the problem is, is that uh, we talked, I think, two, two aspects about self-deception. I mentioned about knowing uh, about knowing yourself, what you're capable of, and also trying to match that up to what you currently have. I mean, do we lie? Do we lie to ourselves uh, between what we're capable of and what we think uh, we're actually capable of? And those two things really, I felt I was perfectly capable of putting the podcast together. But there's the inherent project of realizing a project and the self-deception that goes along with that. Usually, I mean, if you're kind of ignorant about something moving forward, I kind of contended on things like you know uh, uh, expertise and. Uh, how we put things together in general, that you really don't know what you're in for until you actually, you know, get in and get yourself dirty overall with the, with the project. And, you know, putting this thing together, there were several branches that I just hadn't really foreseen overall. There was uh, skills and knowledge that I needed to attain to, in order to achieve it beyond the simple aspect of the, of the Cold War podcast. But then there was the idea of what I wanted it to actually become. And, you know, I didn't want to do a fuck around podcast. Uh, I didn't want to like do... this one, fuck. Yeah, no, well, especially there's, there's the, right. the ones where, like, there's no... Because I wanted it to be something slightly more scripted, but still maintain... But not being an audiobook and finding this, like, you know, not fuck around What's podcast. What's wrong with having, it like, an audiobook? Well, there are tons of podcasts where single people just go about, like, portraying information that they straight up wrote down. Well, I will tell you... What's wrong with doing it? Because audio, uh, audiobooks are audiobooks. Audiobooks are, first off, books that are translated into the spoken word, and... In that sense, you have to be very careful about how you construct the thing, uh, the language you use, the rhetoric, and the facts that you have as well. So I was approaching this thing that I wanted to be a little more detail of an overall story, and it was going to be episodic. And the problem was was that initially I had, let's say, let's break it down into a time period, right? I had the beginning of the Cold War, end of World War II, up until the, the Korean War. Initially, that was only going to be six episodes, about a year or so within each. Uh, as the further I got into it, uh, six became 13, 13 became 17, and it just, and these were only about designed to be 20 to 25 minute episodes. And the more it, it, it just unfurled, the least, the less control I felt I had over the thing in general, but also the more effort that it came in, that, that it became to put it into being. And in a sense, in a, trying to achieve the goal of a podcast, which was something less dense than a book, but more extemporaneous or conversational in a podcast, I had a hard time reconciling those two things with each other. I just simply could not, in a sense, write conversationally to include the level of detail that I wanted in order to have the kind of, once again, to balance that depth with the idea of it being mass consumable to people who had no idea what the Cold War was. Uh, and at the end of the day, he doesn't have a British accent, so the audiobook yeah. thing is right out. Yeah, there, yeah, so no, there's, that's, that's tits off the wall right that's there. That's why you gotta hire him. So, what it sounds like, I'm assuming that, aside from talking about it, which I'm very familiar with, mm -hmm. Um, you kept most of it either in a private journal or in your head, I'm yeah. assuming. That's a big problem I do, mm -hmm. and I'll think about something a long time and then talk about it with a bunch of people, but never actually get help. Like what, so, Dylan? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, pretty much anything I set my mind to do, I've been trying to break that recently, and uh, I have a friend who I do uh, cosplay with. I requested of them I said I was going to work on a thing, and she's super on top of keeping on a schedule. Um, what kind of cosplay are we talking about? What level of cosplay 
full outfit uh, replication of a character. Full sculpted outfit. Full sculpted outfit. Yeah, okay. like to From be put into competition not, with as well, not right? Clothes. Com competition level outfit props. Yeah. Um, in some cases, acting. She's she's pretty on top of you know making sure everything's getting done. She's a very productive person. Uh, I've described her as a shark. Got to keep moving to stay alive. So I told her, if I say I'm working on something, ask me to bring you a picture because otherwise I'm just going to talk about it, I'm going to lie about what I said I got done, I'm just going to say that I thought about it a lot or I have a new idea. If I don't show you actual physical progress, like, reprimand me in some way. Right. And so, that's actually fascinating to me. I was, Dave and I were having a conversation the other night about, um, and maybe this is regressing a little bit into self-deception, but uh, on the I topic... I mean, this is all interrelated to that sure, sure. subject, so... Um, no, but I was, I, we both had realized sometime within the last few years that involving other people in your projects is more or less the only way to, to motivate yourself to do them. Because personally, I end up, you know, I disappoint myself all the time, so I'm yeah. used to it. Yeah, right? you, you, <laughs> so, you, don't, you don't give a um, shit if you let you down. Yeah, I do that shit all I, the time. Like every single day. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's there's an easy way about, to offload accountability. Exactly, yeah. It's it's an issue of accountability at the end of the day. But you, I had I had heard you just say that you, um, you know that you would lie to the other person. Yeah, I'm a, I'm aware of my shortcomings. Sure, sure. I'm, Most of the time. Did that was that was that different at any point for you? Because that's still like a, a mental barrier that I have. I'm just interested. Owing to up hear. to it mostly. Gotcha. Um, and from the way Ryan made it sound like his content was getting too long, the brainchild was growing out of control in your head. Mm -hmm. I think you actually commented towards David about staying in that brain space and how dangerous that can get. Yes. And it sounds like you kind of did that. No, I mean it was it was mental masturbation to a certain extent, yeah. and it was like. And it feels so good. Yeah. No. And it was. I mean that was part of the enjoyment too. Is that you know, part of why I wanted to do this was because I do enjoy you know, international politics in general, and I love that area, era as well. And it's, you know, partly the fact that, you know, you were involved with it, but in the sense, too, that we need to, I think, also, it's not just the scale of the project, but the scale in its relation to your overall, uh, you know, to, into your overall productivity your vision? you're trying to accomplish as well. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, what do I want to do? I've got, you know, I've got, um, you know, I'm an academic, if you in that kind of a sense, and we have to, you know, publish, we have to, you know, do our own independent research, we have commitments with that as well. And so there's, a, you know, where this scale fits in, because if you focus on the scale of the project and it expands, you inevitably have to reconcile it with other parts of your life and what you are also trying to accomplish as well. And in that sense, too, the scale is not merely the size of the project itself, but how much of it, it will consume other ideas or other aspects of your life that you want to contend with. And that's limited resources. Yeah, and that's and it's yeah. time, it's effort, it, it puts into that. And partly as well, I mean, we had talked before in a previous podcast of all the things necessary to like have a successful, independent, individual podcast. I mean, you've got to do all this kind of stuff. And really, what the, f I mean, other than my own enjoyment, what else was I getting from it? And in that sense, too, like thinking about it, uh, writing about it. I mean, I really wasn't worrying. Yeah, worrying. I wasn't wanting money from this thing. Like, it really wasn't the, the main consideration of why I was wanting to do it. And yet, I was putting it out there like it was going to be a project that I could monetize at some point. But then, all of the other work that would have, would have, been necessary to go into it because it's the hustle. Yeah, it sounds ridiculous to put 400 hours into something and then to put it out there and then it's like, you know, I don't fucking care if anybody listens to this thing. But you know, it, it's clear that you do care that people listen to it. Yeah. But was it really the money, do you think, that, that you were in it for? It sounds like it was maybe more just you enjoy sharing knowledge 
and you maybe think it's important to share that knowledge. Well, it's just, it is unfortunate that you know money money. I don't necessarily yeah, think it's quite that charitable. No. Yeah, no, <laughs> mon money does definitely come into the to the overall aspect, which is that sure. you know you. It's a capitalistic mental. Hurdle. That is fair. Yeah. You have to incorporate yeah. to anything. And I do, I do a lot of shit I don't get paid for as well. I mean, my enjoyments really you know infect my ability to make money to a certain extent anyway. And so it was this was this idea of like, oh, well, can we do something enjoyable and then make money at it as well? I think some of that. It, at least from the way you describe it, you talk about the mission creep that comes into designing something. Yeah. It's, um, uh, what is his name? Uh, Tim Jennison, yes. who uh, was the star of Tim's Vermeer. Yes. He is a mm. reclusive, he's, he is a multi-millionaire inventor who lives in rural Texas and just screws around. Basically, he's exactly who I want to be when I'm 60. Yeah. Um, He's a man to aspire to. I he think. has he has a fabulous mathematical equation for projects. Yes, you figure out how much time something's going to take, and then you multiply the number by two and you increase the quality by one. So if you think it's going to take three months, it will take six years. <laughs> that is a very fundamental understanding. And by the way, that was practically true of my first suit. Mm -hmm. Because I initially thought it was going to take four yeah. weeks, and it took about eight months. <coughs> and it was pretty I was, close to his I was right. ultimate painting, Or too. he was right, rather. Yeah. 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 The, the saying in, uh, in physics is, if you ever plan out a project, make sure that you multiply the time that you've allotted by a factor of pi. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's harder, and physicists are difficult that way. No, but it's the idea that you need to... It, it, I think there is a non-cynical side of that where you need to understand that the product can't be the only reason you're doing it. Right. Um, and that's that you can get tangled up. That's that's one of the nice things about having this particular podcast be so open form where I'm putting something out on a regular-ish basis. And you would have hopefully got to that point as well. Right. But there was almost an obsession with the way you were saying, with the way you were phrasing it, where you were talking about you wanted to have a podcast about the Cold War, which the way that that sounds in my head and possibly in yours was you were making it like it was going to be an opus, that it was just going to be a thing you needed to put out. Yeah. I mean, there was no, there was no organism to that. No, and it was, and it was part of the, the ill-defined nature of the thing that really led to its downfall as well. Because ultimately, when we think about things about scale, what we want to accomplish, we, have to, we rarely understand what we're undertaking. And as I would contend partly that's a fault of imagination, right? Our, our inability to understand what we're in for. And part of that we have to kind of account for, right? But how do you account for something that you don't know what you're going to accomplish in general, right? Yeah. How am I going to learn these skills? How am I going to attain the knowledge? How am I going to be able to get this out there? These things that you have to, in a sense, prepare for and imagine these potential these potential obstacles you have to overcome, you can only, in a sense, just barely scratch the surface whenever yeah. you agree to, you know, to take that first step and meet your stride in the project overall. Yeah, and... When it comes down to it, you also need to understand that every endeavor has a learning process, and there's going to be a hurdle where you say, I don't know how to do this, and then the entire project boils back down to mastering one craft, or doing one you, thing. You hit a wall, yeah, you or hit a stub. A, you hit a wall or a stub, <laughs> no. and every, the project boils back down to a stupid, menial task that you don't want to fucking do because you don't know how to do it, and it becomes really frustrating. Well, in some sense, second by second, that always, you know, yeah. that, that <laughs> is just literally yeah. always what happens. That's the whole time. Yeah, yeah that's kind of the case with, uh, I kind of keep track of my finances in a spreadsheet that I have. I don't. Not especially <laughs> fancy. I know that uh, David has, or had, a much more in-depth way of tracking this, and my sister... I have and had and will have meticulous yeah. ways of tracking okay. and my And my, my sister's an, uh, an accountant as well, and she's got a, a much more in-depth way of... of 
tracking our cash flows and our finances and everything. Wait until the I just kind of have a simple input-output spreadsheet, and yeah, the scale is pretty simple in there, and it works for me. It's not as in-depth as I'd like it to be, but it, it works for now, and I have no idea when I would get around to actually improving it. Well, here's I, I got all right, two hopefully ball-busting questions in general, which is that how do we account? I mean, how do we budget, if you will? How do we yeah. budget, or how do we account for the things knowing that we will have to learn what we don't know? But then also, what kind of strategies or what kind of ways do we overcome those obstacles when we meet them? So how do we test for, or how do we account for what we don't know is coming up in the, in the in our scope or in our scale of our project? And then how do we overcome these things in general? The answer to all of those questions is get mad. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, you know this is this is. Are you denying that fact, Andy? <laughs> yes, I. I'm very calm right now. <laughs> In a very collected manner, he disagrees with your assertion. Indeed, sir. Fuck you, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you're a little mad, bro. Um, Old Man Riley has left the building. All right. No doubt mad at himself, but... <laughs> mad at his rights. He'll heal, and he will learn, and he will forgive. Yeah, I think managing to deal with this sort of obstacle is... Almost all of that is knowing it's going to happen ahead of time. Yeah. And just assuming when you go into a project that there are going to be things... If the project and, and again, if the project is of large enough scale, because there are small enough scale projects that you already know exactly what it's going to entail and what you have to do. Yeah. Um, Non-sciencey things. Well, not even not you know not even necessarily non-sciencey things. There are some sciencey things where it's you you know ahead of time exactly what getting your result is going to entail. You don't know what the result will be because you know. Science. Do you have any but examples of that, Andy? I sure do. As a physicist, <laughs> as a as a mother, as, I an, as an actual <laughs> as an actual scientist, as an actual scientist, which um, is just weird. Well, so there's uh, there's uh, um, you know kind of the oh man, too many examples. I have to pick one. Um, Andy works with lasers. I do work just with to lasers. make this clear, and not like not the the sort of like <laughs> any, yeah like. It's not nonsense, like, well, it's actual lasers. Those are blasters, hmm. to be fair. That is true. Yeah. In all honesty, whenever I go into the lab and turn the laser on, I do make a pew-pew noise. Yeah. Because... That's probably life, appropriate. Life is really not worth living if you don't do that. Uh, you adjust uh, mirrors and lenses, I've heard? I adjust mirrors and lenses, and there are days when, by God, those mirrors and lenses just do not want to do what you want them to do. Uh, but then there are days, on your then side, there are days when you have understood the problem very completely. For example, you know that some component in your in your uh, system of mirrors and lenses is going to be moving at a certain rate, and you understand ahead of time that that's going to cause the two laser beams that you're trying to overlap to walk off each other very slightly. And you can you can know ahead of time that this is going to do certain things to the signal that you see, and that you're going to have to go through a process of analyzing your data in a particular way. All of these steps you can see ahead of time. Um, you can make a roadmap. You can make that. a you can make a roadmap of all of that. Uh, of course, there are always some yeah, cases it, where it there are unforeseen things. But this is this is an example of something where you do kind of know ahead of time everything that's going to happen because the system itself is simple enough. That doesn't always happen, though. That's interesting <laughs> that you say that, though. We usually talk, uh, especially on this podcast, about creative endeavors, mm -hmm. and you just said the system. You have... Man. Yeah. You're, I mean, well, you're working with... Um, man. Rigid things, numbers, arguable truths. There's no heart in any of that. Well, it's all just shadows and machines, man. Well, no, but, I mean, if, if some... You scientists. If some... You think you've got it all figured out. <laughs> Do you know how to love? <laughs> 
Yeah, man. Do you know I, how to I'm, make Do you I'm, know how to make a woman cry? I love lasers. <laughs> I'll admit. Yeah, but I mean, well, your your end goal, even if you don't know what's gonna happen, you know all of the steps that will happen. Is your end goal to create a functioning lightsaber? My end goal. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. That's all I need to know. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, my advisor's end goal, maybe not. So is much. that gonna happen? It's highly unlikely. Oh. I can, I can. Not by episode nine. It's not gonna. They're not gonna have an actual non-CGI lightsaber fight by then. I'm, I'm. Sorry if Abrams pours his entire fortune into <laughs> making a finite distance laser. He will be able to improve the stability of some lasers that we have probably by quite a bit. I'm going to say Andy Chilton, PhD, says yes on <laughs> lightsaber technology by episode 9. <laughs> sounded, Catch moving, it. sounded like a yes to me. Yeah, I, yeah, that's what I heard. Local woman steals crab legs from supermarket. Uh, but yeah, so. <laughs> whatever the fuck <laughs> you guys are talking <laughs> about. Going. Um, back on the subject at hand of scale. Um, you're able to measure... Pretty much every step of your process of that you're able to know when what isn't working. You're able to know that a unencountered variable came in, uh, and then once you get that variable, it's locked down. Well, uh, so I was going to say after after my rant about things that we do know exactly what's going to happen. There are there are equally as many situations where the system is too complicated for us to understand completely. Does and that require that creativity? Yes. Okay. Definitely. Okay. There okay. is there is a huge intuitive and creative component when it comes to stuff like that, and that's what really separates um, engineers. The man from physicists. physicists yeah. From, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> see, that's good. We're, we've got our count of engineer haters up to two now. Excellent. This is pretty good. We're rocking like thirty percent. <laughs> um, Do you have any particular pertinent without you know? Breaking NDA or whatever the hell physicists do. No, man, I can tell you whatever I want. Fantastic. Let's just go around corners. We, we don't get any money. <laughs> <laughs> do you have an example of that kind of nonsense happening in science? Because that's one of the stories you constantly hear in, not in the journals of science, but mm -hmm. in in the, the veneer right behind pop science exactly. is that science is super messy. Yeah. Um, so, for example, we, we, have this, uh, we have this pendulum. Um, and of course it, you do. <laughs> well, because right. what else are we going to do? We're physicists, right? That's you know, we work. We work problems with pendulums in physics one, so that's just yeah. what we do all day. Um, no, but we actually do have a, a fancy torsion pendulum, which is suspended by an even fancier torsion fiber, which is like <laughs> 50 microns in diameter. Thing is thin as fuck. Um, For those of you at home, that is much less than one inch. <laughs> <laughs> Take an inch and divide it. <laughs> well, he said Free, it's, freedom units. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's, he I'm, said it's I'm equally so sorry, as thin as fuck. So yeah, no, and this, uh, you know, this this is a fairly complicated facility. Um, but we had a roadmap when we were starting out, and there were just uh, this was a this was a project that was supposed to produce results within two or three years. I'm now three and a half years into my PhD, and we've done almost nothing but fix unforeseen problems and. <laughs> learn things that we didn't think we needed to learn. Does, did that roadmap look complete to you? It sure did when we started. <laughs> did it look complete to everyone? It sure did when we started. Science. <laughs> Are there any uh, cool things that you've learned that you didn't expect to, though? Because yes. I know, for example, there, there are some random ones. I know, uh, I think it, 
It was uh, microwaves. Like, yeah, there are plenty of things that have been invented accidentally or just discovered accidentally. That, yeah, uh, I mean, most of the most of the stuff that I've learned uh, has been has been in the form of like, oh shoot, I need to be able to do this in order to make this work. So I guess I better learn all of these programming languages and how to build electronics and how to. But you got an electronics guy, right? Oh, like, we have we have Hal. Yeah. Hal is great. That's a that's a good name. It that's sure a is. Solid name. It's no Ed, but it'll do. <laughs> no yeah. man, Hal for a tech guy. That's a great name. What are you talking about? Can't I like you do that, Mr. Chilton. Come on. <laughs> I like Ed because Ed feels like he'd fix everything with a wrench, whether it needed to be fixed with a wrench or oh, not. Oh, that's that's the that's a janitorial like car guy. That's, yeah, exactly. That's yeah. Also yeah. edgy. I don't know that you would want an Ed in higher science. I would. <laughs> I absolutely would. He would get shit done. Hal is is uh, he's the guy who made that roadmap. His he's Fucking looking way matter, too high in the, the sky. You just give it a kick. Pop! Yeah, exactly. That's that's what I want. All and, business. And now it works. Yeah, <laughs> just gotta get a little elbow grease. Yeah, you know? man. See, Ed's thinking down low enough. He's got he doesn't have the scale problem because he's not. He's not looking at it up there. He's, he's the looking at the mechanical problems. Exactly. He's looking. <laughs> yeah, he's he's fundamental. And the karaoke machine starts working. <laughs> but yeah, going into the uh, the scale issue. So you have all these problems with this project that you expected to be done mm -hmm. already. How often do you go back and reevaluate the whole roadmap uh, for what you're trying to accomplish? Honestly, or is it still? You know, once it, it's still there in principle. Um, you know, the the goals that we set out to accomplish are still more or less the goals that we have. It's just the way of getting to those goals that changes so much over time that the road the road map as it was laid out is almost a useless thing at this point. You know, right. there's just the the milestones that we had intended to hit are are not hittable at all. The, and when I say roadmap, I mean roadmap which is tied to certain dates. Right. You know, yeah. the uh, the the idea More that we are line. yeah a timeline. Yeah. Um, hmm. But it's not. It doesn't sound like you guys treat it like a living document though. Um, we, it, it's so living that it's not updated <laughs> in the sense that the requirements. You just feel it out. Yeah, well, you just, week to week, day to day, these things, these things change yeah. because you find out that suddenly, um, you know, the, the pendulum that you thought w had, had no charge on it suddenly has, has, uh, you know, tens of billions of electrons suddenly suddenly in excess and now you can't do what you wanted to do and you have to dream up some way to discharge it. And you write a little red, uh, you get your red sharpie out and you write next to it fixed pendulum thing on the thing. Do you have subplots to that roadmap? Like you guys have to, there has to be an organizational pattern below the roadmap. Yes, okay. it's called a weekly meeting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because uh, the way you're describing it, it just kind of sounds like a bunch of scientists roam into a room and go, Fucking, it's full of shit now, and I don't know what to. What are we actually? We gotta get do rid of it this. today somehow. And, oh fuck, man! I don't know. <laughs> I think we should just go home, guys. This looks like a little too much. In today. which case, yeah, you that's do need what, an edge. That's just, what Ed's oh, for. Yeah, that's. This must be the University of Minnesota, I guess. <laughs> we're talking about here, but yeah, uh, shit, man. You know, working on the lasers. Yeah, sure, you betcha. Um, it's been a quiet week in Lake Obagon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's um. It's a little bit difficult to, to describe because just because in the project as a whole, so many things that we didn't expect crop up from week to week. And so you what you do is you you have a target in mind. And 
what you need to do to get to this target is essentially unknown by every person. <laughs> and force of nature. Sounds pretty magical. Yeah. Uh, and so you, well, I will say, I, I say unknown. It's not that people don't have ideas about how to get there and that sometimes those ideas work. Uh, just not they, often. Just not necessarily often. God works in mysterious um, ways, man. He sure does, especially when it comes to to resonances and and charge and a whole bunch of other things that Lasers. he decided to toss toss into physics for reasons because he's a jerk. I don't know. Um, no, but we we reevaluate essentially every week what it is we should be doing. <laughs> For a three, and I guess this is the other thing on top of that roadmap, you have an ultimate goal. Are we there sub-goals? Yeah, of course. Okay, and those sub-goals are actually productive in a scientific rather than procedural sense? Yes. Okay. It, it, that is, and, and I will say that... So you're not getting nothing done. We aren't getting nothing done. And in If fact, you were to just we're, shut it down today, it wouldn't be a complete wash. We would know some things that we did not know before. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> I guess that's probably for the best. Yeah, yeah. Minor, <laughs> you're making, you're learning. You're making discoveries. We're yeah. making, we are making some discoveries. Um... Some interesting things, uh, I mentioned the, the charging issue, some interesting things about ways that you can discharge uh, metal objects and keep, uh, well, anyway, in a, in a very, very precise fashion. But anyway, because, um, you know, touching, touching a wire to a metal object will do that job in, in most cases. But when you care about parts in billions and parts in trillions, then it starts to get a little tough. I had somewhere that I was going to go, but frankly, that's, I forgot. That's, that's so fine. You can, <laughs> we can break as many times as we need to. I'm actually going to go get a drink. All right, drink break. Drink break. I'm rather disappointed that I wasn't the first one. Good. I hope you don't study a man. You're standing up I'm like, that's, that's not even and what if I My dad made that joke the first 15 times I heard that, so it never doesn't cross my mind. No, it's just like, that. that's such a, like, it's I don't know. Great this is going to sound kind of terrible, but that's such an English as a first language joke. <laughs> so Wait, hearing which? it out of my mom was really weird. What joke? The, I, I told her I, I'm considering studying abroad. And she said, well, that's good. I hope you don't study a fella. And I just stared at her. That's very homophobic. Is broad, um, is broad <laughs> not a term in, in Spanish? Yeah, that's the perfect what time to mean? come out. Is, is broad not something well, you guess say in what? Spanish? Well, guess what? And bring you it rip up. your shirt off, oh, okay. and that's it. You know, it's I, I don't know if there's an equivalent. So, <sighs> so back on scale. Are we? Scale. I don't know. Are we Whoa. actually on scale? Huh? Fuck, I wrote back things on down here. I just don't read any of them because oh, they're terrible too noise. small. Well, that's because the scale of your screen is yeah, I, small. Yeah, I need to buy a bigger computer. Yeah. That's no, that's one thing. So I, I got a new my. phone a couple weeks ago. That is the uh, it's still I still feel it's too big. Like I can fit in my hands, but it's not quite as comfortable as my smaller phone was. Mm. But the screen is gorgeous. Yeah. No, I it hate... It's actually nice to, like, actually read text on now compared to the old one. Certainly, but I, I had a problem... You know, I don't know if this was deliberately baiting me or not, but I hate I'm Samsung not. for ruining my phone because yeah. I used to have a beautiful little iPhone 4S. No, I, yeah, and every time I pick it up, it still feels like the future because this yeah. fat, stupid iPhone 6, despite being a great phone in every other capacity, is big in a way that encourages me to use it. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't want to use my phone any more than I absolutely... Ha the same size. Yeah, same screen They're size. They're exactly the same size. Yeah. 
as far as anyone can tell. I don't like looking at little screens. I bought, I spent good money on big screens so that I could look at big, nice screens. I don't care how nice the five and a half inch screen, that's that's it just is. bad, that's bad design. It's pretty nice. So I, I wouldn't have done this on my old phone, but I, this morning when I woke up, I didn't really want to get out of bed, but I wanted to watch the tennis matches from last night uh, in Shanghai. So I just sat in a Fucking third. live. I just sat Get out hour. of your bed and watch them on a good screen. <laughs> this is a good what screen. What is it's wrong? It's a little bit small. <laughs> I hate our future so yeah, much. I know. It is. It's, and it's go it's still going this I would way. Go, if it runs I would go back 40 by 480. It uh, I, I yeah. Would, I would go back to the smaller screen, smaller smaller phone if I could, but all the all the phones May now I, are May I size. suggest Dave those phones were not designed for you. No, they were not. <laughs> but at the same time, like this phone should theoretically be great for me because I have extra, literally extra, extra large hands and I still don't like holding this phone. So I don't know how like girly men and girly girls deal with handling phones like it's this. It's crazy. And there's the problem is that there's no real alternatives they unless just you want to go like Windows give themselves phone or something. Over Guys, the wait, whoa. The phone. This is on the podcast. Yeah, it is. Yeah. This is about scale. This is real. This is real life we're talking, we're about, talking about here. Scale. This is scale of the This is as topical as it gets. So yeah, the uh, the old phone that had the the Moto X. It's fantastic. It had nice Kevlar backing, which is good because it actually grips and you can hold it and it feels and comfortable. And sounds good. And it sounds good. And, if you, and get shot, uh, you might be saved. And the size was perfect. It was about the same size as the 4S. Yeah. It's just it's good, good it's phone. But now me. everything. Everything is at least the size of the galaxies or bigger. And we get to blame South Korea for all of it. Yep. Speaking of South Korea and scale. Um, Who are we going to talk about? Video games? Um, I don't know. God, do they, no. do yes. they make video games there? Oh, they don't uh, make they them. They, they, but they consume. do play them. No, they play bad MMOs. So they make bad MMOs. They do make bad MMOs. And MOBAs. Yeah. They don't make MOBAs. No, they played League. Dota 2. Mitchell, what's your opinion of Dota 2? I like it. It's Bleeding. good. Andy, <laughs> Andy, what's your opinion of Dota 2? Never played it. We already got your opinion of Dota 2. It's fucking trash. And no one ever gets to know my opinion See, of Dota See, I, I don't 2. think... This patch is okay. I don't, I don't uh -huh. have a problem with it. You just don't like uh -huh. it because Techies got nerfed, but we'll not dwell on that. No, like, fucking... <laughs> if you're not, dude, if you're not doing pure damage, you're not no, doing damage. Like, that's kind of how it feels right now. Armor is kind of too too important right now, I think. I think that yeah. should be toned down a little bit. But they just probably get will. Those this was supposed to be, like, a... Small patch before next patch is supposed to be a big patch. So, um, funny enough, I can I can relate Dota back into uh, scale and uh, planning. Fantastic, because now I have to keep the part where we talk about Dota in here for this to flow correctly. <laughs> you were the I'm one who brought it so up. So sorry. So. No, I know. Yeah, you were. Um, but they don't have to know that because I'll edit it so it doesn't sound like I did. <laughs> Damn it. It's all part of a. There's plot. a lot of editing now that you have to do. That's fine. Okay. I've gotten uh, better at it. Right. But I was thinking on the way over here. Um, Somebody brought up something about World of Warcraft, and I was thinking about the difference between Valve and Blizzard, and the way that they, Volvo, please. <laughs> the way that they try to make money, and the way that they deliver their products. And Blizzard is very accommodating to incorporating, uh, you know, jokes, uh, fan-made materials back into the main product. They were the pioneer of the map editor, which is in, which yeah. is the most egregious way to give creative license to other people for your properties. Uh, and then them trying to claim those as their own, um, which of course Dota 2 was originally a Warcraft 3 mod, um, them saying that anything made under them belongs to them. The other nice thing about Blizzard is that uh, Blizzard actually has customer service. 
That is true. Valve has no customer service. Valve has no customer service. Do they service. not? Like none? Valve. Very, very little. Have you ever tried to solve a problem with Steam? Never had one. That's, that's very what they, That's what they go for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they try they to not talk to you. Yeah. Um, but when I thought about the aesthetic experience of a lot of, I know they don't make them anymore, but Valve games, um, they disallow a lot of things that involve jokes or outside content unless it is made specifically with their goal in mind. In Gary's mod. Or, that's about, that's, but that's the thing, but, but yeah, it's that, almost that's, perfectly that's, contained. Yeah, that's, that's, their, that's yeah. their playground. Also they, they assign that yeah, for somewhere else. In their main games, um, there's not a whole lot of meta jokes that somebody else came up with in Half-Life. There aren't a whole lot of jokes in Dota 2. Whereas in Warcraft, you get characters who are named after jokes of internet memes and a whole bunch of yep. just outer material. I mean, basically the entirety of Hearthstone is is that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You <laughs> like, have... that's just what Hearthstone is, is a giant is a giant reference to itself. Yeah, the, and... the, the level of reference. And I was thinking about uh, the scale according to the goal of design does allowing other people to interfere or contribute to your goal I mean one of the reasons that you feel like you don't want to let people in is because they'll try to fix or change they'll screw it up or derail yeah they'll derail your 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 goal but at the same time that that was that was Ryan's problem that's been my problem where does has anyone around people... this table not had this problem I mean, the idea of incorporating other people yeah. being repulsive in a really detrimental way to getting something done. Not really, to be honest with you. Wow. Bring up, um, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Well, right, no, that's sorry. a lie. I'm sorry. Yeah. It totally is. <laughs> yeah, no, we've, we've, all had, <laughs> we've all done a group project, and there's, you and know. And there's that one fucker who just doesn't the, do his work. The bigger problem is when you have half of the group disagree. They think that you should do something else. Mm-hmm. When you involve the hurdle of other people... Necessary, by the way, when the scale of a project gets to the point yeah. where it is beyond your means. Yeah, when, when a project becomes beyond one person, which is usually the case with even if you want... Like, I'm trying to make an outfit for myself. I need somebody to even talk to me about it. Uh, I need guidance. I need uh, an, an outreach. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. this, uh, collaboration tends to make... Uh, well, maybe not always, Compromise. but in, in general, tends to make a better product. Like, if you look at the... Uh, Star Wars original trilogy versus the prequels. Uh, in the original trilogy, George Lucas had to make a lot of compromises. He had to listen to other people's ideas. A lot of it was because of technological limitations of the day. And Short having comics. no money at and least having no money. Front. He didn't have his own money to spend uh, like he did on the prequels. Where on the prequels, he got to do pretty much everything that he wanted to do as he wanted to do it without any input or uh, anybody on his team saying, no, we should do it a Sorry. different way. And that's why what they're prequels? so good. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's why there's a six-hour series explaining why they're so good. <laughs> That's why Anakin will be in everyone's hearts this generation and next. Yeah, yeah it's uh, but yeah, the collaboration is one of the things that makes the original trilogy a lot better than the uh, the pre-trilogy. Well, and you can't. There's only so much one person can do, even mm -hmm. in a creative endeavor, even in something where it's supposed to be the auteur side of things. I mean, you you can only put out so many books. You can only make so many movies. Uh, this, uh, I keep thinking mm. of accidental counterexamples to this. Tolkien yeah. mostly took care of it himself, but that's all he did. He wrote the Lord of the Rings. Like, did Tolkien do any anything else? Like, he built that world. Right. That was all he got done. Granted, 
Job well done, yeah. sir. <laughs> you he did, did an amazing good. job. <laughs> yep. But that's really, really uncommon. And Tolkien is an interesting example. Yeah, the, I, very it, niche cases where it, somebody makes a universe and, that, and, and they stand out. Yeah. They, I mean, they stand out. I don't out. think that's entirely true, yeah? Um, I, I think writing in general might be a counterexample to that. Because there are... and okay, Well, Tolkien is in that... Tolkien is. I mean, Brandon Sanderson is. I don't know, of course, how much either of those people talked to other people about their worlds. Probably a lot. Yeah. Probably I mean, a lot. But at the same time, that was pri it was primarily their their brainchild. Tolkien spent a lot of time with like C.S. Lewis C. S. and a Lewis, couple other yeah, people bouncing yeah. ideas back and forth and, and helping to shape their universes. And there's the community, which is not necessarily collaborative, no, but it true. is also still that is yeah. having other people around in a way that is reinforcing and useful. Yeah, Even like, like, uh, like people who make games need a community to talk to, advice to take. But, I mean, um, games like Undertale, Fez, they were primarily the brainchild of one person, the overall story characters. Maybe not all of, but most of the dialogue in those games, the puzzles, I would assume, were the result of one person. And those are exemplary examples. Those, d those don't... Those <laughs> are literally one in thousands yeah. if you look at the Steam store. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um... Yeah, another another kind of counterexample is uh, Breaking Bad, which is pretty much all written by Vince Gilligan. But at the same time, he made a lot of changes. And based... of course, acted by Vince Gilligan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and there are a, a lot of changes made uh, based on the actors and based on things that yeah. happened. Like uh, he uh, original Ju originally Jesse was supposed to be in the show for two episodes. Really, he ended up being in for the entire season or entire series. Good choice, uh, probably. I didn't know. Yeah, that. I think so. So yeah, he would have been kind of dry on his own. So even though it was one person's idea, one person's kind of brainchild to do the, the whole Breaking Bad series, there was a lot that changed over the course of the show based on the people that he had around him. Yeah, and I mean, even indirectly, this sort of thing happens, right? Like, you draw inspiration from other people that you're in contact with. You draw, you know, uh, support, even. Yeah. That can, that can certainly decide the fate of some projects. Oh, everyone puts, so. er, and speaking of writing, even within our counterexamples, I'm pretty sure that the four section in the front of those books where they talk about all the people, their need to incorporate as many people as they do is probably quite earnest. Mm -hmm. There is a yeah. lot of push from behind them. They have quite a tailwind, yeah. most of those authors, except for those like two guys who only thank their wife. and uh, <laughs> Tolstoy, probably. <laughs> yeah. And, Thanks, uh, Olga, for being such a bitch. And the way you put that, um, you usually outreach when you lack experience um, and when viewing your own projects and how much experience you have, like um, you're a physicist, I'm an artist, we always have a diverse group, so it's you, kind of hard to... We don't count. To, yeah, we don't count. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you, guys, you, guys uh, you guys do something, I don't know. You guys stuff, I don't yeah. know. Um, well, you're, I'm a maker, man. <laughs> yeah, you're a making man, um, so you kind of all encompass. Uh, Having experience as a self-referential self scale, um, you know, people tell me I'm a good artist. I don't think I am. And that's And that's what makes you an artist. Yeah. <laughs> well. Stereotypically, yeah. Stereotypically, yes. Uh, art, histo art historically, yes. <laughs> um, but you also run into the problem of information as a scale, where the more you know about a subject, the more you realize you don't know. Yep. Um, if I were, you know, and that, if that I, stretches back to expertise in a large way, where you yeah. get you get to the top of the mountain and you realize that this is one mountain yeah. of many that you can only now see because you're at the top of one of them. Yeah, um, I mean, if I were to if I were to compare my artistic prowess to 
you know, the size of a cup, I would say, you know, this work didn't even fill half of my cup. Whereas I would see somebody else and their cup is half full as well, but their cup is a third of my size, you know, like the proportion of that scale. But I see the, you know, the amount of effort or quality of what they can produce is proportional to them. And I don't take that into account to me. I don't take that into account of, you know, grandiose works mm -hmm. and somebody yeah. did it better. Yeah, some, <laughs> this is yeah. Did this somebody is, do what you did better? I was going to say this is the one side of inspiration. This is the side of inspiration we haven't necessarily covered. Is the negative side where this inspiration encourages you to work on projects that you have no means to complete. Yeah. yeah. Um, this isn't setting it, the bar too high. Yeah, and you end up setting the bar too high because you when you go in at the ground floor, you have no idea where to set that bar. Sure. But it's super hard and super disheartening to look at references for what you're trying to do and see that the bar is up here and you just don't realize how long and how hard that person worked and with how many people and all that they d you have none of that yeah, sure. to work with sure so i, I that's I why people love behind the scenes they get to see other people fail yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they get to see all the failure that yeah. real people go through when they actually yeah. want to produce something no but i think i mean it's a matter of perspective right you you can go into projects um, you know, without necessarily knowing whether or not you'll be capable of finishing that. Oh, certainly. And you can yeah. still I'm not saying get that's, a yeah. ton out of projects like that. Absolutely. Um, but only as long as you go in with the understanding that, you, you know, I might fail and it is okay. And, it, and even, even, you know, I, on, I go into, that again? I said, you can go into projects knowing that you might fail and it is okay. All right. That's the tagline for the website. It. I think that actually read is the tagline for the, the what page. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically what it's actually. It says that failure is your only friend. Which right, is basically. I have to go take into what he said instead. That's a bit <laughs> Mine's shorter. I'm going with mine. Hello, failure. My I friend. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to say I have to go into work every day with the understanding that what I do, uh, there is a very distinct chance that it will not work based on evidence about how <laughs> many previous days have gone. Um, but you know that's that ultimately forcing i think i think that and i i hate to use this turn of phrase but i think it builds an incredible amount of character to fail over and over again and still where get it comes up from. and keep keep doing it yeah no there's no other there's no other choice that's the old camping example everybody's dad tries to get them to go camping and the generic excuse for that is that it builds character because sleeping out in the rain is no fun and that's the whole point no. Because you don't run into problems in your house. Your house no. has a sea, and there's no wind inside, <laughs> or rain, or dirt. Uh, there's probably lights and food. Uh, none of those things are necessarily true when you're camping, unless you're doing it right. Hey, my power went out in my apartment complex for a whole 45 minutes. Was yesterday. that a character-building experience? It was. It was horrible. Did you have to light a couple candles? I'm so sorry. Well, it was. Like well, he doesn't know how to use matches. So no. <laughs> we have a lighter somewhere. I don't know where it is. I wouldn't know. Do you know where it is now? No. <laughs> All right. It's dark. <laughs> Oh, was, was, so this wasn't a sufficiently character-building exercise well, it was for you. Like to... noon, so. Oh, okay. Wasn't <laughs> um. But man, he didn't have internet for like a couple of hours. Well, I had internet because I have a smartphone. <laughs> <laughs> but, anyway, but I did walk. I did, I did have to walk over to Wendy's for air conditioning and food. That sounds pretty horrible. <laughs> it was terrible. Let me tell you the amount of character I built that day. Was oh, just just crazy. to make sure that we don't get. It, 
no one gets the wrong idea. Andy, gifted programs. What about them? Were you, you in them? In, were you in them? Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, so buddy. We're, st we're still floating seven for seven this on. Could so. the, this could 100%. be the most elitist podcast uh, around. Dude, one can there dream. Probably, there are more. One yeah. can dream. Yeah. We're by volume. I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make it All happen. Right. Excellent. Yeah. Once we expand past our. <laughs> white millennial gifted program. Whatever we got. <laughs> yeah, in we the got bank. a whole ethnicity in here. Thanks. In the bank. Well, Thanks, minority. Hispanic white. I mean, for it's making still... sure we're not. No, racist. just Hispanic. He's okay. Peruvian. He's full right. Peru, fair man. Enough, fair enough. I'll back off of my respect. O <laughs> or whatever. What's the word for respect in Hispan? Respeto. It is respect. That, yeah, respecto. <laughs> <laughs> respecto <laughs> patronum. You got it. Man. But yeah. I never uh, knew you were an expert. Um, experto. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, I'll have you know. Uh, senor. Senior. But yeah. They stole it from us, man. It's right there. <laughs> I knew it. English is just seven other languages trying to get along. Oh, it's like French, German, Latin. I it's seven other languages Random. trying to get along. Yeah. I wish I could get this quote right because it is a beautiful quote. And actually, maybe Hob knows the quote. He's sitting behind me and he'll chime in for it. But uh, English doesn't borrow from other languages. It lures them into <laughs> alleyways and stabs <laughs> <Yeah>. them. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. That's why I love it so. That and it's the only language I speak, so I have to love it. But Do you yeah. pronounce... Thankfully, I got the is right that, one, right, guys? Hey, hey! Does that mean that Esperanto is like the guy on the sidewalk who's begging for, yes, <laughs> begging is, for stuff with a hat extended? He, he, no, Esperanto is the man coming over to wipe your windshields, and he's spraying <laughs> down, and you're just kind of like, no, nah, it's good. It's okay. Yeah. It wasn't really even dirty to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> we had 8,000 other languages, but thanks. I imagine there are more people who speak Klingon than Esperanto. It's so. probably true. That is yeah. There are 100,000 people the world over who speak Esperanto. Yeah. I thought you were going to say small. Klingon. <laughs> it's probably more than I know. I it think could there be are more than 100,000 people that speak Klingon. That's what drugs are. Yeah. They just re reverse engineered drugs Sony. back into, yeah. Sony reverse engineering drugs for over, what? 10 years? 20 years? There's 30? They're yeah. probably an 80 year old company. Like, that's they how, that's how, how that, time, yeah. yeah. All Japanese. They were working on the drug technology. All yeah. Japanese companies. Nintendo's been around 130 are, years. Yeah, yeah. It's you can't tell. Yeah. Also, Sony's biggest industry is insurance. So yeah, what know. the fuck? Yeah. yeah. Although that turns it turns out like a lot of people figured out if your biz if the object of a business is making money, if you get into the business of money, it's a lot easier to make more money. <laughs> turns out. You can just print more, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <sighs> well, James, it sounds like we've got a podcast here so far. Well, yeah, scale. I Scale's mean, a weird one because there's. It, it's we've sort gone of, into it before. Well, no, it falls oh, in a little bit. I wanted to see how far we could go with it. I, it's. I think. I think this. The concept might have an issue of scale. Sure. Well, I, I had a kind of a, a thing to bring up, kind of literally scale. So I, I've. Uh, when I stepped on a scale like, like five months ago, yes. Uh, oh so goodness. I was like, uh, tell us all about it. I know it's exciting. So I was like a uh, 188 pounds when I weighed myself what? Uh, five months ago. Or something I'm like, like that. 
easily a foot taller than you. How do you weigh 188 pounds? Well, I don't anymore. I've lost ah. weight. Yeah, my scale, Tell us how. My scale is going down. Well, I haven't changed my diet much. I drink less soda. I do drink beer, which is probably not the best thing to do yep. when no. you're trying to weigh. I had to cut weight. I had to cut beer when I was yeah. losing weight. But I am exercising a lot more, playing tennis I uh, a couple times a week. I beers over the, the course of this podcast. Yeah, going to the gym several times, once or twice a week. Uh, yeah, just a lot more exercise. That helps. And I was looking at a picture the other day for myself from when I was in Seattle last summer. I was very fat. Yeah. Not that fat anymore. Not quite. So, Did you not so realize how fat you were? I didn't. When you're just kind of gradually gaining weight, you yep. know, it's hard to tell. Yeah, then, I went uh, up to I went up to 200 last huh. year and got it down by about 20 pounds in oh, the past year. Good. But yeah, yeah you just, you really don't Dylan, notice. do you have a weight no, loss story you want to share? No, all the weight's in my bones. <laughs> <laughs> the titanium bones. I have a weight loss story that I don't want to share, so. <laughs> no. Stress oh, is a no. good weight loss motivator. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's also a great way to lose hair yeah. and uh, AKA friends. weight. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's kind of like. Desire. And the other thing, well, this is also <laughs> another thing is that uh, in the course of trying to lose weight, I'm going to the gym more as well and trying to uh, do some weightlifting. It is hard to build muscle. It really it's is. It's not easy at all. Yep. Yeah, I, I, uh, I can definitely notice a, a difference after five months of doing this. And this isn't just like hardcore going into it like a professional weightlifter would. Uh, it's just once or twice a week. But um, it, it, you kind of expect. That might be part of it. Or maybe, I, it, maybe it's just me that I expect more improvement over, over that time. Did you have an image in your head? No, this uh, I have before. Uh, when I, I every once in a while, every couple the years, rock I'll, naturally. Yeah, every yeah. once in a while, I'll, I'll kind of start to start going to the gym more to try to build more muscle, and I'll kind of have an expectation. This time, uh, I tried not to have an expectation, so I wouldn't get burned out on it. And I don't feel. I mean, I'm. Did that work? Yeah, I'm making gradual progress, uh, and that helps with. Uh, and I think that ties into scale as well because I don't have this. Uh, ridiculous picture of, of where I should be at after a couple months. Instead, I can just kind of make uh, gradual kind of piecemeal improvements, and yep. that tends to help. I think that is a little counterintuitive. You just, pray, you just pray to the poster of John Cena before you go to bed every night. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. No well, it, are you saying it's counterintuitive it's, it's not to have a goal? Yeah, it's a little mind? counterintuitive because yeah. normally that's the first thing everybody tells you is that you need to have some point, if not necessarily no, an ultimate goal, but you want checkpoints. And that may be that may be better. Uh, I know for me, if I tried to do that, at least in this particular regard, because I have time to, tried to do it before. If I set a goal, a specific goal, and I didn't meet that, it would kind of... It would be a failure. It would be a failure and could kind of, yeah, discourage me from doing it and I would kind of... Wean off it. Wean off it and and stop doing it. And so you 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 rationalize it's better to do it however you do end up doing it than not do it at all because of the failure. Or worse, quit. (laughs) Well, yeah, exactly. That's that's what would happen. You you fail at doing it and you, you... and that's why that's why when I went into it this time I didn't have a set goal in mind so mm-hmm. that I can kind of as long as I make sure to do it once or twice a week and not take weeks off, that's my goal. I really. think there is something to be said as far as as far as uh, goals are concerned uh, about satisfying your conscience, you know, and that that is essentially what you're what you're saying is as yeah. long as I do it enough that I feel like I'm still on the wagon. And I I, I will say I do have goals each time I go. I just yeah. don't have an ultimate goal. Uh, each time I go to the gym, I want to do, do a little bit more than do you a did little last bit time. more. Yeah. Do, okay, do that's totally yep. yeah. That's okay, all right, that's what enough. I was looking for, and I mean, I was gonna say I don't have a specific number or a specific image in mind. It's just an a little bit, point. just yeah. a little bit discreet, a little bit more than the yeah. Last that's time. Yep. that's at least something. And I, I was going to say, if that wasn't the case, I guess it was entirely possible since. I mean, holding your weight down at some point, once you do the weight loss, weight maintenance becomes a thing, and having a goal for that's really hard. 
Um, but it's also not a creative endeavor. And mm. I was curious if there was a specific difference between that. Because in a creative endeavor, I personally have found it insanely hard to work on creative endeavors without having a deliverable in mind, without having a product that I'm going to need to have at some point. Even if it's checkpoints, it's it's got to be concrete somewhere. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. just screwing around the basic research style of creation. But basic research doesn't even do that because it, it doesn't work. Sure. <laughs> like we, I mean, my research is not particularly basic, but everybody who is productive in, in the sciences follows that model, essentially. Uh -huh. What can we, what can we try to get done within this amount of time? What and are we aiming for? In the arts, it's safer to play around because you'll, we usually find innovations through mistakes. Hmm. Like, oh man, the way that this fell down and totally fucked up actually looks pretty good. How can I replicate that in a controlled environment mm -hmm. or in a way that I want to make look a certain way? Mm -hmm. I don't have a specific example like that because I'm not as project-oriented, although one of the things that I've been doing to exercise more is playing tennis. And a lot of that, because I have never had a tennis coach or anything, Did a you? lot of it is just improvising and how I hit the ball and just playing more and more often. Are you turning into the sports guy? Are you the sports Maybe. guy on the podcast that's, now? That's yeah, well, you already like... Oh, I was going to ask a long while ago. Mitchell, why is basketball any good at all? Basketball? <laughs> basketball it's is fast good. Paced. It is fast-paced. It is shoes. improvisational. Um, every, every set down the floor is going to be different uh, than the one before. Um, it is very skill-based. Although but also team-oriented. But also team-oriented, uh, and especially with the way that the NBA is now. Um, like in the 90s, early 2000s, with the way that the rules were, uh, one person could carry a team uh, because it was a lot of isolation. Where, uh, And isolation yeah. is where you have uh, the whole team kind of spreads the floor on one side, and then you have your star player on the other side of the court just kind of doing their thing, and they score. Yeah. Whereas, now you really need double teleport for whereas the they made, pressure. Yes, and they yeah. made subtle changes uh, again, to Again, like I lost focus and thought you were talking about Dota for a bit. <laughs> it's similar, but they made subtle changes. five on five. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's similar it with, with laning, where you can do different lanes, where you can have a 2-1-2 a two, two setup, or you can do 1-1-3. Uh, one, one, one. Yes. And do people in do 1-1-3 one, one, in Dota? Yeah. Yeah. Tri-lining is real? That's um, weird. And it's it's very fluid in Dota now, which it, it didn't used to be. It used all right, to be all right, all right. We are right, talking about <laughs> basketball. Going back, basketball. going back to basketball. So they made Just subtle... And the reason Dota is so great, to, yeah. to conclude. I do, I, and even when basketball was, was more boring in the, in the 90s and early 2000s, where it was very isolation heavy and it was a slower game, I still enjoyed it just because of the kind of individual skill. Now they've made subtle changes to the rules over the past 10 years where you can double-team people uh, away from the ball or on the ball. Uh, you can do zone defenses where instead of having to guard one person and follow them around the court, you can kind of set up your defense so that each person's guarding a specific area on the court. And that makes it so that uh, individual people can't really carry a team anymore. There has to be ball movement. There has to be off-ball movement to try to get people open. Will there um, ever be another Jordan? Uh, is that possible? No. Uh, there's Talking too many... like I know anything about this. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say Dave. <laughs> too many varied skills. Like I appreciate uh, your Jordan, effort. Uh, no, there there won't be because the the rules are different now. So you couldn't play the same way that Jordan did in the in the 90s and, and late and 80s. And get away with it. And have the same level of success. Jordan would be just as successful in the modern NBA as he was back then because he was just an individually amazing player and he could adapt to the current style. Uh, but there will never be somebody who plays like that again, I don't think. 
But yeah, that, that's the main thing is that it's just, it, it's individually skilled. There's a lot of ball movement, a lot of off-ball movement. It's a fast-paced sport. Um, whereas football, which I enjoy every once in a while, I, I've read before that too uh, slow. in a in a three-hour football game, there are 11 minutes of action. Yep. <laughs> and the rest of it is just that, sad advertisements. Well, that it's not just... That sounds like baseball. Well, it's... Baseball has, I don't know, like, the worst ratio of action. Well, too. baseball at least has a culture where you're supposed to get drunk when you go to watch it. Yeah, because it's so goddamn boring. Yep. Uh, I've heard baseball is <laughs> more fun to watch live than it is... Uh, I've heard the opposite. Really? Yeah. Well, um, baseball is designed to be a pastime, though. It's de- it yeah. is it is actually designed Soaked. to just be a place you go and because I mean, there's there's cheering. I'm talking again once like I have any idea about this, but <laughs> what I've heard from people who go to baseball games is that they are not going there to cheer. They're going there to just have a day at the ballpark, as the pastoral setting would suggest. I think that's what most people like. And, and going back just to the, I mean, baseball is a slower paced sport, definitely, like you can't really argue that. Whereas basketball is more in the same realm as soccer and hockey, in that it's constant, there's constantly stuff happening. Um, and is there a criminal underground to NBA? Probably. <laughs> in, in FIBA, not as much as there is in soccer, no. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that would be impossible, but <laughs> I mean merely on the scale of the criminality. Now you're just using the word. Yeah. Well, that's the problem with the word is there's yeah. too many there's well, too many ways to interpret one it. one reason that the, the NBA... Other? We had two words. The NBA Scale is against... Magnitude. Uh, magnitude. And I, I do like professional... I like in, NBA basketball more than college basketball. I think college basketball is a lot... is slower and less varied. It's kind of uh, designed to be that basketball. way, though. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's less skill in, in college basketball and less just kind of movement and everything in, in college basketball than there is in the NBA. If I was supposed to give basketball an honest try, which I did for about one month without guidance, which of the two should I follow? Uh, NBA, definitely. Okay. It's more fun to watch than college basketball, right. for sure. March Madness by itself is fun, but that's because of the idea of March Madness where any team can beat any team and you get eliminated and people try to make their own brackets and everything, but people don't really follow college basketball except for their own team until March Madness. <laughs> right. Well, that's my take on it. I like basketball. I like tennis. I like uh, those are probably my two. And I did. I went to a hockey game a couple years ago, and that was really fun. Actually. Well, then you're beating out Ben, and he's like a serious hockey fan. I never watched it on TV, but I did go to one live, and it was very fun to watch. Mm. Any other basketball question? <laughs> no. No, I asked the one basketball question I have at this point. All right. You just talk about sports. Now. Probably okay. You're, you're now the sports guy. I am. And back to Mitchell with sports. <laughs> Oh, we should have a little segment just for Mitchell. Sports. That'd be great. Someday this podcast will have segments. I haven't oh, got there yet. Well, if the cold hey, war, what if games have you a, been playing? If we ever get a Cold War segment in here. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. Yeah. What games have you been playing? Um, and how do they relate to scale? How do they relate been to Been playing Undertale? Out? I actually did mention that earlier. Yeah, you did. It was, uh, one Man's Vision, he used to just do music for Homestuck, and he stood out as being the good Homestuck music guy. Hmm. And uh, turns out his sense of comedy and uh, ability to make a game in an RPG maker is pretty solid. Are there? Yeah, they're present qualities. Yeah, they're present qualities, and it's blowing up right now. So. A question, actually. Do you know uh, anything about how music is made for video games or for movies? Because I don't know how much of an individual endeavor that is, or if it's more collaborative. When you do anything under a movie, the producer is the guy who's going to be stepping his foot in every door. So. Well, it, it, the producer may not be musically inclined, though. <laughs> that doesn't stop him. <laughs> well, if you that have, doesn't stop a producer at all. Have, That's why they hate him. But if you have a composer like... Uh, 
like uh, John Williams. John Williams, Danny Elfman. No, they they absolutely or have Jeremy to. Jeremy Soule for, for video yeah games. for video games. If we have to talk about the Hans Zimmer video games, yeah. um, <laughs> the uh, no, they absolutely they they have to rest under the tyranny of producers and directors, and that's also that's part of the reason why a lot of the time you'll see that uh, Danny Elfman for the most part doesn't write any music; he writes themes because he gets another guy to put up with all the bullshit that he doesn't have to deal with. He writes the part that he likes and then lets someone else do the orchestration, deal Cash with the, out. deal <laughs> with the editing, deal, you know, cuz the soundtrack in particularly in movies is probably not as bad in games and granted, I don't know much about the way this stuff is put together, but in movies at the very least they have to edit the hell out of all that stuff because it needs to fit the timing of what's going on. In a video game, they generally speaking, they actually will, uh, they'll let a song play all the way out because you I mean, don't know you, how long you, people are going to be around. Yeah, you loop a song in a video game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's probably, there's probably uh, inherently more freedom to that than there is in a movie. But I've heard movies are a little, I've heard movies are a little harrowing that way. They're a little restrictive. Yeah, so I wonder if they, if a lot of the themes are just, well, they kind of have to have an idea of what the movie's going to be before they actually compose anything for it, I imagine. Um, um probably for the larger stuff where people actually care, but I'll bet, I, I'm willing to bet there's a folder on Hans Zimmer's computer that says horror. Yeah. And there's a folder <laughs> that says, like, yeah. I'll bet he's got that stuff. So yeah. it's I'll bet he's got one in the chamber for All everything. Right. So, yeah, it's not, uh, and then they're probably not. It would almost be professionally irresponsible for him not to. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. So that he has something to fall back on if someone commissions him on something yeah. and he can't come up with. Because, you know, there's a business to that kind of art. you got to you got to make totally sure that you can produce. That's how you get yeah. famous. So do you think, uh, tying it into scale a little bit, do you think they just have like a collection of motifs lying around in a folder somewhere? Oh, absolutely. And then when do. they get yeah. this movie project, they take a look. There, and, there's and no, have a there's no way so. they don't. Like, they have, yeah. to they have to have ideas that they adapt. Yeah, and honestly, I mean, the very, very limited amount of music writing that I've done, uh, it, it's all come from... Oh, I heard this motif in my head at yeah. some point, and I just wrote it down. Right. Yeah, I have the same. I can. I mean, I can. Uh, well, you do. You, you compose the uh, the intro and outro. I compose the intro, and, and I haven't had outro music, but oh, I basically okay. just been screwing <laughs> around. <laughs> I've just been screwing around in ProLogic. I mean, I to give you an idea of how well mine maps to Andy's idea of merely adapting. Let's see what kind of stuff I got. Let's see the names of this. Some of the stuff I have. Uh, harpsichord intermission. Sick baseline. Fucking A. Bullshit. Send me that one. Level no, up. Not the bullshit one. Sick baseline. Um, what do we got? On the road. I used bum, on the road. Bum, bum, Too bum, tired. Bum. That's not sick. <laughs> like I got. Right. Like that's that's just the way. And then I will take Depends those. Depends on whether you're those from Bavaria are each, or not. Boom. Yeah, I'll have to ask my uh, cousin about that as well because he's in a, a local band that's doing kind of increasingly successful. They're kind of picking and they're getting to choose which gigs they want Whoa. instead of just accepting everything. That's real. That yeah. sounds like selling out. That's real talk. Um, to me, I don't know. No, it's because they can turn down the bad venues. So, oh. um, but yeah, I'd Sell have to out. ask him because he does a lot of the writing for them Stabby as well. Stabby Star. I'd be interested what to do you see think, guys? how they kind of come up with that because that's always kind of been a, a thing that I've. I've wondered because it's not something that I've ever come up with. I'm not in creative enough with music myself, but uh, other people are. Somehow. Not many other people, yeah, but a handful. Yeah, I mean, even even the stuff that I have done has never gone anywhere. Yeah. You know, like I never even finished any of the stuff that I wrote <laughs> down because I couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was uh, 
I guess this does have uh, something to do with the subject at hand, even though we've tried to end this podcast twice. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I think that's my fault. <laughs> no. uh, when I was 17, I was commissioned by a cardiologist of mine um, whose side hobby was writing children's books. And he wanted me to illustrate a uh, Christmas-themed children's book that he had written. It was called, like, Santa's Boots or something like that. I was underage at the time, so working out how I would have gotten paid would have been difficult. I've never done... Has that changed? Huh? Oh, I would illustrate the shit out of that book right now. No, I actually... the, no the payment part. Oh, the payment thing? Oh, I still don't know how to get paid. I just know <laughs> that legally it's not a problem. Okay. Well, um, you were 17, right? I thought you said... Oh, no, I was 16. It's turning 17. That's still old you can You can still uh, get paid. I mean... I didn't know. Well, yeah, <laughs> not sure, as an sure. artist. Yeah, not, yeah. yeah. The the stipulation at which I would be you have to be dead for that. To you happen. you hang around too many stuff. people with salaries. Uh, that's probably yeah. true. Um, I had no scale of understanding uh, what type of work I would have to do, how long that would take. I was in you know high school at the time, so would I be working on it during high school? I, I had no experiential knowledge. And I ultimately wound up turning it down just because I didn't have. Didn't I, know what you were getting yourself into. I had no into. idea what yeah. I would have gotten myself into. And looking back at it now, I have a rough understanding of what it takes to at least lay out and make illustrations for a book based on themes and pages. Also, the communication between us, seeing as he was a doctor and I was his patient, was kind of weird because emailing my doctor about things that aren't my health is just <laughs> bizarre. Like, how many pages of the book? He was also rough on getting back to me. So both sides of this collaboration were a bit lopsided. Did the fact that your doctor was a flake impact your impression of him as a doctor? Holy shit, I didn't think about that. <laughs> God damn it, fuck. <laughs> and on that note, switch doctors. Yeah. I think that's going to do it for this. Me, thanks for having me. Mitchell. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Andy, thanks for being here for the first and probably second time in just a minute. Thank you. Dylan, get the fuck out of my room. See ya.